right, welcome to episode one. Um, topic is, you know, what does the Bible say about, and then fill in the rest of the question. Uh, we're, today we've got uh, Brent Vickers, who is the lead pastor at the Legacy Church uh, Canton campus. Um, he's going to be answering some of our questions today. Yes, I will do the best I can. <laughs> right. That's all we can ask, you know. So, <laughs> That's all I can do. So. <laughs> right, we right. got an agreement. Right. So I'd like to open up with, um, so what does the Bible say about listening to secular music? What does the Bible say about listening to secular music? Uh, Ethan, why would you ask me this question? <laughs> well, because I know you. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you play in bands. I do. I play in a rock band. Um so what? Do you, so let's uh, let's uh, let's define this a little bit, then we'll get exactly to what the Bible says about it. And and I've I actually have thought about this one personally a lot um, because I do play in a rock band and we do play out at, at gigs and stuff like that. Um, I happen to play in a rock band made up of good Christian men, uh, most of them who go to one of our church campuses. So I know these men's heart. I know their uh, I know their faith. Uh, matter of fact, I've married half of them to their wives. Uh, I've been oh. their officiants. So, I mean, <laughs> these are, these are brothers in Christ to me. A matter of fact, they're, uh, you know, some guys go out and play golf on the weekends or some guys play on the softball team. I play music with a couple of buddies and we occasionally get paid very small amounts of money. It's a hoot. Um, but I will tell you, number one is what defines and uh, Christian music versus music. What defines it? When I think of like Christian music, I'm thinking of like the worship music that we, you know, play on Sundays and stuff. That yeah. that's like its sole purpose is to glorify God in worship. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree with that statement. Um, what defines worship music versus um, hymnals and uh, hymn hymns sings and stuff like that from you know versus modern worship music? Really, what's the definition between the two? figure like the modern con like the contemporary worship music it's mm -hmm. it uses like it's got a different style that caters mm -hmm. more yeah. to like the new way we do music versus mm -hmm. you know the m older more traditional way like with the hymns and organs and whatnot um but they both in my head they're both under worship music they're just sure. two different right. types and the only reason i ask that is because uh, like we consider classical music like bach and beethoven and mozart and stuff like that uh back in their day back in when they were first producing those those musics that was the popular music that was rock and roll that was the most scandalous music available was right. bach and beethoven and mozart <laughs> and those guys were rock stars in their day um mm -hmm. it's just like when someone says oh well the only true christian music is hymns I'm like, well, what defined that? You know, why? Right. Because it was because it it's older. Is that is that the only definition? Then right. is classic rock the only true rock music? Is anything <laughs> new? Is from that argument? You know, um, when I listened to one of the oldie stations the other day, and like Bon Jovi's coming on, I'm like, wait, mm -hmm. Bon Jovi's classic rock now? <laughs> How old am right. I? You know, it just it freaked me out a little bit. I was like, so is someday like Green Day going to be classic rock? Is that oh, no. <laughs> but, but if we go by the definition of the difference between the hymn, which right. were designed to be played on organs and pianos, right, versus contemporary is the is the appropriate thing there. And uh, and I uh, I I struggle with contemporary Christian music because I love old hymns. I also love new worship music. But so, let's just be honest, guys. Some worship music, some some contemporary Christian music that you hear mm -hmm. on the fish or whatever, 
it's just what just noise it's it's bad yeah it's bad it, it mm-hmm. it's it's the just bad <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a four chord structure with a vague references about a personal that's the uh, that's the song now there are mm-hmm. certain christian songs that i hear them and my goodness they change the way my heart feels they change the way my attitude feels man some certain songs uh lauren daigle's got one that song trust in you right now Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Every time I hear that one, I'm just like, oh, oh, that uh, that hurts hard, right, <laughs> right here in the heart place. You know, um, I think uh, when it comes to music, secular versus Christian, number one, um, music is music. Music is designed right. to to talk to our hearts and talk to our heads. Um, and it doesn't matter to me if it's secular or Christian, but there's certain music that obviously encourage us more to be in a godful state. And there's certain musics that maybe it's what you listen to relax to and certain music. Like, like I, I know I got buddies who work out all the time. They're like, Oh, I can't get pumped up unless I listen to this one song. <laughs> cool. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, but I also know from my own life and I can only speak from my own life that, um, what you fill your head with is what comes out of your mouth and your heart. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly filling your head with just kind of a, uh, not even, I, I don't want to say bad. It's it, maybe it's a more evil, maybe it's uh, more violent, maybe it's a more aggressive kind of music. Then all of a sudden you, you're, that's going to start coming out of your, right. that comes out of your mouth, that comes out of your mm-hmm. heart. Um, I look at Philippians 4, 8. Okay. And it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, that word excellence is important. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Um, I find that there are some secular songs that can, that can liven up my day and just change my whole attitude. And there's some worship songs can, and there's some secular songs that I think are just absolute trash. And there's also some Christian songs that I think are absolute (laughs) trash. Um, um, And that doesn't mean I'm saying that Christian music is bad by any stretch. It's, it's, it's music is one of those super personal experiences, you know, what Ethan likes or or Robbie, what you like may be different than what I like. Um, But I, I can tell you from playing in a band, there are songs that people will request won't play because even in even even as as mm-hmm. as flexible as I can be on what what defines music there are certain songs I'm like no no we're not, we're not going to play that you know just that's not that's not morally right that's not a song I'd want my kids to hear right. you know it's, I don't want to have to explain to my 9 year old what that means you know kind of thing um <laughs> But I have a very eclectic taste in music, you know, everything from from, you know, like early 90s rap music all the way through, you know, modern, modern rock and roll into classical and country and bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just and and the predominant things I listen to, honestly, are like kind of Christian music mixed with Jimmy Buffett. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just it's what brings my day up. Um, mm-hmm. So there are people who will argue, by the way, uh, about this. Um, both directions people say that oh it, the um if you're experiencing you know if you've if you've got like uh you know if you're if you're listening to like modern music and it's not christian music you should throw all that away you should delete everything off your ipad or your ipod or whatever or ipod did i just date myself off your phone <laughs> and or your or clear your spotify links or clear your your um your uh, your pandora whatever it is that you listen to and listen to nothing but worship music and if that's what you need to do to increase your relationship with god i say go for it Mm -hmm. um uh 
there are other people who are just like, well, I listen to a little bit of the oldie station. I listen to a little bit of more modern music, but I listen to Christian music as well. Um, if you looked at my station presets on my car, it goes from national public radio because I'm old and I'm boring <laughs> to oldie stations. And that's kind of it. You know, I, uh, I want, um, I think, I think that, that really it boils down to that there is no difference between Christian music and secular music. So there's only the intent that's behind it. You know, what, okay. what makes it Christian music? Well, it's giving glory to God. Well, cool. Um, mm -hmm. There are lots of songs that do that. And I think we should be listening to them and we should be performing them. We should be. So, uh, <laughs> So we, we slip stuff in. for, um, personally, I feel like, uh, and this is just Brent from Brent's perspective, that it's not a Christian band or should we watching a movie or to look at and listen to and experience music or TV or movies that have a more wholesome and a more uh, socially, uh, uh, not socially redeemable, but a, like a, a more Christian message, we should make them really what? Really good. 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 You know, you, you does anybody have a hard time going to see a Marvel movie? No. 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 You know why? Because no. they're, they're really, really good. good. <laughs> they're really yeah. good. I don't have to be told, oh, you guys should go see this because it's got this really great message. No. You should go see it because it's, it's awesome. Really right. It's really right. good. I will mm -hmm. tell you, the first time I saw the movie Courageous, I went, finally, this is a Christian movie, Christian movie mm -hmm. that was so good. You don't have to be a Christian to like it. The opening scene in that movie gives me chills every time I see it. Right. You know why? Not because it's a Christian movie. It's just good. Good, it's yeah. Good. Um, and I, even I told you this earlier, I, I watched a King and Country concert while we've been on quarantine mm -hmm. uh, the other night. They, get, they showed it for free uh, you know, on Facebook or YouTube or something like that. You know what was great about it? It wasn't because it was a Christian band. They're just really good. They're a really good band. <laughs> yeah. I think if anything, if we want people to understand the difference between secular and Christian music is we up our game and put out music that it doesn't matter. Um, in 1996, uh, Jars of Clay, that's the last thing I'll say about this. Uh, Jars of Clay, which is a, a great Christian band that you guys may never have heard of. Jars of Clay? <laughs> no. See, those guys got to get back together. They got to get working. <laughs> I think they're still together. They got to get working. They released a song called Flood. Okay, which was a great Christian song. I was not a Christian at the time. I bought that CD, was listening mm -hmm. to my car on a road trip, just enjoying this really good song I'd heard on the radio. And I didn't hear it on a Christian station. I heard it like on a contemporary alternative rock station. Mm -hmm. And it took me about five. Jesus and God in these things. It's like there's a lot of imagery here to the, to, to the Bible. And again, remember, I was not a Christian at that moment. Right. And then I pull out the CD and you read the liner notes. Liner notes are things that they put in CDs that had words on them that you had to read. Anyway, I just picked them. Um, <laughs> and it turns out I had bought a Christian CD from wow. a Christian band that mostly does like worship songs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, what was funny was, did I buy it because it was a Christian CD and I was a Christian? No. no. I bought it because it was really what? It was really good. It was really yeah. good. It was really good. It still is, by the way. They're a great band. You should go listen to that CD. Um, and I still like that band. And they've released some wonderful remixes of hymns over the last few years. I was like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> so 
make Christian music really, really good, and it becomes secular music. Matter of fact, uh, Lauren Daigle has been doing that. She was on the Tonight Show not too long back, and some oh. people really, um, some uh, some people really were like chastising her. They're like, "Why would you be on the Tonight Show? You know, you're a Christian artist. Why would you be on this show? They don't, you know, it's not a Christian show." And she's like, "Why wouldn't I be yeah. on that show?" You know, um, Switchfoot's another band that does that. Switchfoot played, um, oh, played the Warp Tour one year, like. The, the exact opposite of where a Christian mm-hmm. man would be. And some people were like, oh, Switchfoot, why are you there? They're like, what bigger crowd could we introduce the gospel to than mm-hmm. this crowd of people who are non-Christians? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I will tell you guys from my own personal experience, um, the band I play in, we, we played a couple of different restaurants and we play and we play there pretty often. Um, I have had long conversations with people who find out that I'm quote the pastor. They don't know which one of us is. They know one of us is a pastor. They don't know which one it is. (laughs) And I've had long conversations about faith and their walk with Jesus and everything that I never would have had if we had only been playing at the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus took his message where? not just to the people who were following him. He took it into the cities and hung out with yeah. the wor- the least of these, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the opportunities are there. Sometimes we have to go in a little bit different rec- direction to get to it. All right, so. Um, <laughs> I'm giving you way more of an answer than you wanted, bro. <laughs> it's fine. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a turn here and uh, so what does the bible say about like how we can deal with depression anxiety and like other mental disorders Mm -hmm. um you know it's doesn't really say the word depression if it does i haven't found i i should here you go i don't know the answer to that i would have to google search that (laughs) one um, myself to see if the word depression is in the bible but i don't feel like it is but the word fear is in there a whole lot, which fear is just another word for what? Anxiety. Anxiety, right? yeah. And, and anxiety, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. really, if you're fearful, you're anxious about something mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. don't know what's the, what's the reality going to be. Well, the Bible talks about fear like more than 365 times. People say it's 365 times. It's actually a little bit more. So much that you can look up a scripture that says, do not fear every day of the year Wow. for a reason. Because mm-hmm. God knew we would be fearful. God knew there would be things that we didn't understand and that we would be anxious about. And, um, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that, uh, and this, again, Brent's personal opinion on this, when it comes to, like, depression and, and, uh, and struggling with, like, uh, um, mental issues and stuff like that, that if you were sick and you had a bacterial infection or, if you, or, you, uh, or you had diabetes or something like that, you would go to the doctor and you'd get the appropriate medicines to make you well. And there's this stigma we have, especially in North America, where, oh, if you go, if you go for therapy or if you go to, to have your meds, that, um, that we've developed this kind of this uh, stigma around the going, oh, you're not right and you're having to take drugs mm-hmm. and everything like that. Well, I will tell you that God created science, God created medicine, God created those drugs to help people who have those deficiencies in their own brain. If you had a deficiency in your body, you would take a supplement or a vitamin or a, or a chemical to make up for that deficiency so you could live well. There are people who need that as well in their own lives. But also, the, one of the strongest things that we can do to fight fear and anxiety relies on reading the Word of God. And prayer and prayer has to be something that is 
a persistent part of your daily life. It can't just be something that you do when you're in trouble. And so many people use prayer like, uh, it, have you seen those commercials for Flex Seal where the guy's got the big tank of water and he's got the hole out? He takes a flex. Yes. There are people who use prayer like Flex Seal, like, oh, the gust, yeah. water's gushing out. Mm -hmm. Stick it on there. Right. Prayer doesn't work that way. Prayer is mm -hmm. like filling up your tank every day and it's a constant relationship with god and so many so many people uh, uh in, in my life over the last 20 years who've come to me and, and asked you know it's like i'm struggling or whatever what can i do and i was like well i mean you might uh i always tell people that pastors are kind of like emts mm -hmm. uh in the medical field our job is to stabilize you and, and you know patch you up if you're having a bad day but really and sometimes we need a doctor sometimes we need a surgeon sometimes we need we need medicine and it's okay to go and get those things. And it's okay to go to like a Christian counselor and say, I'm struggling. I need help. What the Bible says about those things is we are not to be fearful. Uh, it talks specifically in the book of Matthew about worry and that worry is kind of a worthless, a worthless activity because all, all worrying about stuff in your life does is make you what? Anxious. Worry doesn't get anything done. Yeah, worried. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's it's. Uh, I, my daughter and I are working on a devotional for uh, for our uh, for our webpage right now. That's uh, that's that's basically us sitting in rocking chairs, and it's like you can rock all day long, but you're not going to get anywhere. You're just rocking. Mm -hmm. You're you're moving, but you're not really doing anything. You know right. the um, the same thing comes from worry. Um, you know the in in the book of Matthew it says it says specifically don't worry because if God will take care of the the lilies of the field who are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he take care of you? But the Bible also says, do not fear 365 times. We should not be living as a fearful people. We should be living as redeemed people. We should be living as, as people who are walking hand in hand with the Lord, who is the lion. You know, this is the, uh, you know, how do you defend a lion? You guys know? Just uh, <laughs> you, you don't defend a lion. You open the yeah. cage. That's how you defend the lion. You just open the door and you let the lion do his thing. You know, so so there's no need to be fearful if you know the creator of the universe. There's no need to be fearful if you know that the lion of Judah is walking with you. You know, there's no need to be fearful if uh, if you know that you're walking. In that you won't have anxiety or fear no of course you will yeah. we're, we're created that way i have anxieties <laughs> i have fear and sometimes i have to be reminded no my fear goes away when i open this book mm -hmm. and my fear goes away when i'm in prayer my fear goes away when i'm singing those worship songs loud and proud and my fear goes away when i'm doing other things to help other people through their fears um, for me personally the strongest way that i've been able to battle with depression or just anxiety over the years is by serving others. For me, it's really going on in my own life and stuff that's going on in my life right now by worrying about and helping with other people's stuff. So does that yeah. answer your question? How's that? Yes. <laughs> Is that good? That's yeah, good. that was great. <laughs> uh, I've got another question. And like, how does the Bible like advise us to deal with like things like addiction or to overcome like other unhealthy desires? Sure. Addiction? Sure. Well, I think, uh, I think you go back into the same thing of how to deal with depression and everything. Um, uh, in, and I'm speaking purely for 
recovery program and people who have will give you much better answers than what I can. However, I've, I've sat in enough AA meetings over the years and, and know enough people who've been through it that, um, that it's, it, it really boils down to about you know, a couple of things about changing your habits you know, um, there's something, most people who get addicted, it's, it's because there was something missing in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then they were trying to the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then they get, they get to the point where they feel like they can't live without that. And that's why a lot of people end up in rehab or the end of therapy or AA meetings, NA meetings, all that kind of things. Um, and uh, I think, again, I'm speaking completely from outsider looking at this, but I know for a personal thing, um, food has been an addiction in my life. Most of my life. Uh, I'm a stress eater and I know that. Well, the fact number one is I recognize that in myself. That's the first part. You recognize that you have an issue. Then second thing is, okay, what can I do instead for me, like going to the refrigerator or, or eating chocolate or whatever, because it's not good for my health. I'm a diabetic. So I do those kind of things. It really hurts me. So it's like, what can I do instead? Well, I can pray. I can read the word. I can sing worship songs. I can go for a walk. I can binge watch TV. I can replace it with something else. Now, the question is, are you going to replace that addiction with something that's worse? Worse. Right. Uh, years ago, I knew a guy who was trying to quit smoking. He'd been smoking for 20 years. And he decided when he was going to quit smoking, that every time he craved a cigarette, he was going to floss his teeth. Because he's like, I want to have better teeth too. So he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to fix my lungs. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to floss my teeth. When he went to see his dentist six months later, number one, he did quit smoking. Number two, his teeth were amazing. I mean, just <laughs> amazing. Even the dentist was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, flossing my teeth like four times a day. A little excessive, but was it good for him? Yeah. Yes. He replaced he replaced the issue, replaced the, uh, the thing that was pulling him down with something that would lift him up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of the, and, I, and again, I'm speaking purely from observation. I see a lot of people who would normally have spent their time going to bars or, or clubs or, or hanging out with the friends who would drag them down into the worlds of addiction and drugs. They start going to church and they start going to AA meetings because they need that support. They need that accountability and they need that faith. They need those people who are help, helping to guide them away from temptations. I mean, even in the Lord's Prayer in, Matthew, in the book of Matthew, uh, if you read that, he says, lead us not into what? into temptation. 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 Lead us not into temptation. God knew this would be a problem for us. That's why there's so much in the Bible that helps us guide away from that. But it also says, you know, that we should be in, in, in community with other believers. And one of the best ways to avoid addictions and, and, and the struggles of your life, those sins in your life, whatever they are, is to have accountability with other people. Um, I've had a, a program on one of my computers, on my main computer here, I should say, um, for a decade that basically is accountability software. It is not a filter. All mm-hmm. it does is if I go to anything that the, the filter deems objectionable, it emails one of my best friends up in Tennessee, who's also a pastor, who's my accountability partner for this. And it also emails my wife and says, this is where he's been. Mm-hmm. Now I tell you what, if you want accountability, that's how you do it. You send it to people who will call you to the carpet and not be like, oh, it's okay. Everybody says, uh-uh. These guys are like, dude, what? You know. And what's funny is I'm accountable to a number of other people for that. Their, their reports come to me, and I have the right to call them to the carpet. So mm-hmm. really the way to, to deal with like addictions and the sins of our lives that kind of drag us down, you know, it's so easy to be dragged down. You don't have to be too much of a – of a physicist to understand that going down with gravity <laughs> is a whole easier. lot easier than mm-hmm. getting back yeah. up. 
I think one of the main things we have to remember is that uh, is we need other people to help pull us up when we're in the bottom. Yeah. You know, when you're in when you're in the bottom, you're stuck. But you don't have to stay there. You can be pulled back up. That's why things like AA meetings. That's why uh, accountability of partners and replacing bad behaviors with good behaviors are are so important. Mm -hmm. um, the, the strongest way to avoid temptation is number one, avoid it. But number two, rely on God to give you strength to get through it. Right. So uh, those two questions, by the way, are great because that's they, those are questions that I've been answering for 20 something years with mm -hmm. people who come to me and say, well, how do I avoid this temptation in my life? Well, are you actively trying to avoid it? Well, if your first word is well, well then the yeah. answer is no. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. uh, how do you avoid temptations? Well, number one, take away the thing that tempts you. Number two, mm -hmm. replace it with something better. Number three, get accountable to people and right. lean hard on the word of God because mm -hmm. you're weak. We're all sinners, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> well, if we're all sinners, then we're all going to sin. There was only one who was perfect. And on Good Friday, we, right. you know, he, he was put on the cross for it, you know, right. but we can, but we can also do better when we lean hard on the word of God and rely on his word to get us through those. Even if saying the Lord's prayer is what gets you through the Lord's prayer right. is so perfect in its simplicity, but it's also so beautiful in its complexity that it, that it allows us to pray a prayer that is going to handle almost every situation that, that gets thrown at us. Yes. And even the disciples, if you, if you've never paid attention, that's the only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach them directly. They were mm -hmm. cool with throwing out demons. They were cool with you know taking his name and feeding people and everything. But when it came to prayer, they're like, Rabbi, can you yeah. teach us that one? Uh, can you can you walk us through that? <laughs> and when people are just like, well, I don't know how to pray. Hey, neither did the disciples. They had to ask the Messiah mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. It's okay for you to say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, the, the, the best way to learn it is to guess what? To do it. Start praying. Yeah. yeah. Start, start praying <laughs> however it takes to get there. And then use the Lord's prayer as your guide. And it, you'll mm -hmm. be excited just talking. About it. So here we go. There we go. All right. So this is going to be our last question for today. And I think the heaviest. Um, so what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Because growing up, like as a Christian now, you see two extremes. You know, you, you see pe people who say being gay is okay. And then you also mm -hmm. see like other Christians having behavior, like, like preaching to people and trying to teach people that um, all homosexuals are going to hell. So okay. with these two extremes, like it's hard to know where, which, where to be. Right. Well, that is a very deep and a very hard question. And, and it's also one of those politically charged questions. You know, I right. can tell you what the Bible says about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can tell you, uh, I can tell you what I, what I understand from, from reading the word of God and exactly. from looking at Jesus and, and the kind right. of things. Um, and that's all I can do on that one. Cause I'm exactly. not going to give you my opinion on that one. Right. Um, and that, I will that's what matters. What, what, what my what opinion is now. Not really. No, no, no. What, <laughs> what we hear, what, what you know from, you know, the Bible and well, Christ. the Bible only mentions mentions this in a couple of spots i mean really and truly in leviticus 18 and 20 it says you shall not lie with a with a male as with a woman it is an abomination mm -hmm. yes an abomination mm -hmm. okay 
that's a bad thing. <laughs> and then, it, and then it also says, and that, and it also says that if a man, if a man lies with a male's woman, both of them have com committed an abomination, they will surely be put to death and their blood is upon them. Now that is in Leviticus, which is a book of law, a book right. of laws, right? And, mm -hmm. and you guys know that you, you've been in, in, in church for a long time. Um, the Bible doesn't really mention it again until in the book of Romans, where, mm -hmm. when, when Paul wrote in Romans 1, this is verse 26 through 27, it says, For this God gave them into vile affections, for even their women did not change the natural use which was against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use to the women, burned in their lust toward one another, and with men working, uh, working that is which unseemly, and receiving themselves in that recompense of their error which was met. Those are a lot of big college words all <laughs> like stacked right up there. That basically saying that what happened was people, when they were disobedient to God's word and to the law and mm -hmm. to the love of Jesus, um, that they fell into these other activities. Now, here's the thing. Um, is homosexuality a sin? Yes. yes. Is lying a sin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Is murder a sin? Yes. yes. Is adultery a sin? Yes. yes. Or anything in the Ten Commandments a sin? Yes. <laughs> are there a whole lot of rules in the book of Leviticus that, that, are, that, are, that are considered not pure and not clean and everything like that? Yes. yes. And what happens is people, people focus on a couple. This is a major sin. God does not see it that way. Mm -hmm. the, the Bible that I read. It's the same. They're all the same, right? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Am I a sinner? Yes. yes. Is Robbie a sinner? Yes. Is yes. Ethan a sinner? Yes. Is everyone a sinner in some way, shape, or form? Yes. Is yes. one person's sin worse than another one's sin? Not in God's eyes. No. no. Not in God's eyes, right. Not in God's eyes. So here's the problem with people who are just like, oh, all, all homosexuals are going to hell or whatever. Number one, mm -hmm. um, there's two things that I know for sure, and I'm start stealing this from the movie Rudy, of all things, as well as my, <laughs> friend, my friend Tim, who says this all the time. There's two things I know for sure. Number one, there is a God. And number two, I'm not him. I, uh, I, I, I can only look at what, what the Bible says about what, what is a sin and what is not. And if I believe in the word of God, then I must believe in what I read and what I understand. Now, at the same time, I also look at the character of Jesus who hung out with tax collectors who were considered worse than anybody else. Like right. it was like liars, adulterers, prostitutes, murderers, and then tax, tax collectors always had their own special line. It's like, <laughs> you, it's like dude, <laughs> you can be all those things. And Jesus is like, you're all right. Tax collector. No. No. <laughs> but he hung out with those guys and he loved them because I will tell you this, that trying to change someone's sin in their life by screaming at them that what they're doing is, is wrong and, and against God, you can do that, right. but it's not super what? Not too effective. Yeah, yeah. it's not, and it's not Christ-like. I mean, Jesus would go up to the lady at the well who was who was a prostitute, mm -hmm. and she was there at the middle of the day because nobody else would be there, and he right. would go down and sit next to her and have this conversation with her, and but he also would say to them, "Go and sin no more." Right. I think it's important for us when we look at issues like homosexuality or lying or cheating or stealing that we ignore the you know, you, it's the old love the sinner, hate the sin kind of situation yeah. in a lot of ways. But 
the truth is the only way we can help lead people away from the sins of their lives, regardless of which one it is, mm-hmm. is by showing them the love of Christ and showing them the word of God and showing them both here together, but we can get along. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've been, I, I, I have friends of every creed and faith and orientation and then some and we can all get along together because i can look at them and go okay you are a child of god you may not be following as tightly with god as i'd like you to be but then again it's not my spot to do what to judge to judge them it's not my spot to judge them it's my Mm -hmm. spot to do what yeah yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's not my spot it's not my spot to be to to be uh to 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 judge them it's my spot to love them mm-hmm. um at my house if you guys have ever been over here or if you or if you ever get to come over here um not right now we're two right. or more but less than 10 are gathered um, i have lighthouses on so many paintings and people are like well you grew up in a beach town you really like tybee island everything like that and i was like that's part of it but really what it is it's how i see god has given me a faith and not and this has nothing to do with being a pastor but with my own faith that uh our job is to be lighthouses to people that's and what awesome. lighthouses mm-hmm. do is yeah they they guide they guide boats into a safe harbor through troubled waters that's what a lighthouse does that's its purpose <laughs> hello (laughs) you're on a podcast (laughs) but so many people individual sins that make them uh, that make them uncomfortable or they've deemed they've deemed that this is a sin that i want to rebel against or or i want to 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 put a light on or whatever and what i'm sitting here saying is no we treat all sinners the same we and we say this is the lighthouse. This is Jesus Christ. This is his love. This is how you move through those sins and move into a healthy and wonderful relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not my spot to judge you. It's my spot to love you. When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, right before he did the last supper with them, he gave them a commandment, which was to go out and to love others. And Jesus took all the 10 commandments and shortened them down to two, which I, I preach this all the time. That he, he basically said, uh, uh, love God and love people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's what we should be about. And that includes all of our neighbors, whether they agree with us or not, right. whether they look like us or not, whether they smell like us or not. And, <laughs> and we, can, we can do that, but we have to look at it through the eyes of Jesus Christ and be willing to go, okay, you may not be where I think you should be at this moment. It's not my spot to judge you. It's my spot to help guide you it's my help spot to help lead you to a relationship with jesus not even to where i am no matter where i am that's between me and god it was my spot to lead you to a relationship with jesus christ so you can know the hope and the joy and the love that i know now i don't know if that answers your question all the way or not but you know and different theologians will have a different take on it. and people may see this podcast and go well, I disagree with Brent and that's okay <laughs> and some other people may go well I think you know you know this is something that we should be you know we should have a stronger stance against well that that's okay too we mm-hmm. can we can disagree and still be friends and still be all believers together but yes. well thank you Brent for your insight to all of these Ethan questions. just froze. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all been freezing for me like this entire meeting. And I've been like, oh my gosh. Anyways, but yeah, th- uh, thank you, Brent, for yes. your insight and coming yes. out today. That's like all the time we've got 
but yes. would you mind praying us out, Brent? Oh, yes. I would be thrilled to. And guys, thank you for doing this. I think it's really cool that you're trying to uh, to tr put some stuff out into the world that shares uh, the truth of the Lord. And uh, and by the way, y'all, uh, if you want to verify anything that I've said, there's a book that I encourage you to read. <laughs> it's known as the, the Holy Bible. Bible. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and when people have questions about the Bible, my first response is always. Open it. Because the beautiful thing about the Bible um, is that it's a uh, it's a it, it's a God's love letter, not just to me or the church or the people. It's written to you personally, and the way you read it and understand it's going to be different than I do because you're a different person. But I think it's beautiful that the God, the Word of God, is so alive that it can be different to other people, but yet it's the same word. And yeah. so that that's that's one of my. Uh, that's just my encouragement before we uh, sign out. So let us pray together and call it a day, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Lord, I just uh, I thank you for uh, technology that allows us to meet from across our homes, uh, as well as, Lord, I just thank you for your word, which uh, can answer so many of our questions. And even though so many of our things all revolve around the same thing with uh, fear and anxiety and just not knowing what the future is going to bring, Lord, I'm just so thankful that your word helps to guide us and remind us that uh, – that you not only love us, but you uh, you want what's best for us, and you want us to uh, ah, you want us to be in a relationship with you and with your son, Lord. I just thank you for your son as we celebrate Good Friday today. That uh, that we know that today was a uh, a terrible day. Uh, we know Sunday is coming, and the tomb will be empty. And Lord, we praise you for that, and we are thankful for a risen Messiah. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.